Hello and welcome back to another episode of Enneagram Short Podcast. I am your five foot four, handsome, sexy, sexy milk chocolate of a man, Braylon Williams. Uh, and I just want to say thank you for joining me for another episode um, and for the first part of the two-part season three finale. Um, if you're new to this podcast, this is a weekly podcast that I do where I talk about the Enneagram and how it is one of the best tools out there to help aid in our self-development. All right, and so uh, before I talk about what's going to happen in today's show, let me just talk about a little bit what's happening in my life recently. Um, I've said this before on the podcast recently, life is really kind of mundane a lot, so there's not much new happening. But the newest newest thing that is taking place is the move from off-campus to my apartment. Uh, matter of fact, um, the day that this airs will be the first night that I actually sleep in my new apartment. So um, it's going to be a different feeling being in Springfield, but not sleeping on campus. So um, just kind of, it's going to be a great feeling, but it's just going to be a different feeling. Um, I'm really just jumping into this episode. I didn't really do much prep since this is a commentary episode, um, but and so I, I am trying to think of stuff off the cuffs, uh, no pre-thoughts or anything. But I think that is the biggest and really the only thing, really. Um, yeah, still single. So yeah, there's nothing exciting in the, in the dating realm. So there's that. Um, but anyway, like I just said, today's show is a commentary on um, the episode I did with Krista Harding from Any Government Marriage Podcast earlier this season. So as you can see in the title, it's called Commentary, Restoration in the Marriage of Krista Harding, Enneagram 7. And so, it's that simple. I mean, what what else can I say other than today's a commentary? As, so, it, I, I will throw out this. Um, so, it's probably going to be a little bit longer than a typical episode because of the fact that the interview itself goes about 45 minutes because it was just a episode by itself, but now here I am adding in a couple minutes uh, of commentary. So I'm gonna try to keep it to about an hour and a half, but I promise you it's gonna be an easy listen. So if you wanna turn it on in the background and just do your chores, clean your house or while you're driving, it's that simple. So, but, like I said, like the original episode was great. And the reason why I wanted to do it this way, commentary, is because the two guest episodes that I've done this season were so great. And I just really feel like they needed more publicity. But there was also some things that I didn't get to kind of talk about because of limited time. And so I was like, rather than just doing a replay of those episodes, why not comment on some of the things I didn't get to talk about when we did the interviews originally. So this is that moment. Um, and so today's gonna be fun. Today is commentary with Krista Hardy. And then 
the part two of the season finale next week is going to be uh, a commentary with um, the episode I did with Jean Stevens um, about her book What's Here Now and How to Stay Present and so it's going to be a great season finale um, it's hard to believe that I've done three seasons of this podcast already but here we are um, and so let's just jump right into it shall we and let me stop talking so without further ado let me introduce to you Krista Harding of Enneagram Marriage Podcast so thank you again for joining me on Enneagram Start Podcast um we, we know nothing about each other so let's just you know <laughs> try to get to know each other um tell me a little bit about who you are your life story and how you got came from if I remember right being a therapist to doing a podcast about the Enneagram yeah oh my gosh yeah thank you so much for having me and I really enjoyed this strange trek, as you know, into podcasting life. It came a little bit before COVID and I was starting to integrate the Enneagram into my coaching practice. And so I had moved from therapy into coaching so I could have a greater reach because therapy at the time was keeping me bound by my state. And it was also, as I moved from state to state, the rules and regulations changed. So I wanted a bit more freedom to live wherever I wanted to live, to serve clients wherever I wanted to serve, um, which served my type seven part of me. And then I also, like we were just saying, found the Enneagram to be so helpful for my clients that I wanted to bring it out more broadly to others and podcasting was the way to do it. So it was really nice to get started just before COVID because when we got shut down, I still had an outlet to share, which felt yeah. safe. I, I, I love that because that actually kind of goes in kind of the same mm-hmm. hand of why I do this podcast. You know, it's called Enneagram Restored and the idea is that the Enneagram helps bring restoration in your life. Um, my biggest pet peeve when I first heard about the Enneagram was when I became a freshman here in College at Evangelion University. And like people were talking about, it's like, I'm this, I'm that. They used it like, this defines me. I'm like, I don't really like that. So I was, I, I, I hate it. And so to think yeah. I'm right where I am, like an avid Enneagram person. Now I have like eight books already. I got a whole Amazon list of books that I'm still trying to buy about the Enneagram. And then doing a podcast and like, I mentioned inside every conversation, I'm like, did you know the Enneagram could help you in this way? <laughs> I think people want to slap me every time I bring it up, but uh, right. it's just yeah. like, it's been so helpful. And like, even still, I haven't reaped the full benefits myself of trying to re- rewire how I do life from knowing this basic personality of myself. So, wow. so I just, yeah. like I said, your story just really matches up with, mm. honestly, I, I don't think I really knew the full story behind that. So it's like, that was like, fresh view of why you do your podcast it's like oh wait a minute that that really goes to why I kind of started my podcast I like that Mm, um love that awesome so (laughs) I kind of want to phrase have this written down a little bit different trying to think I have phrases differently Mm -hmm. um what is one thing that cannot be found out about you one interesting thing that's not in your bio or you had really had to be like a close relationship with you to know about you, Krista. 
Oh, wow. Oh, that is a tough question for a seven because we are extroverted in the sense that we share everything almost. Um, (laughs) So, Like we we might be an introvert because we like to recharge personally, but like when we're out there, we're like, I'm out here full barrels. (laughs) But um, I try to say this sometimes to people. I don't think I say it in my writing as much. So unless you know me really well, Um, you would not know that I have a real uh, sensitive emotional side because I come out very strong and even my voice right now, there's a bit of harshness to it. And so it's like, there's a lot of softness. There's a lot of lament uh, and only the most close people to me will ever really get access to that side, if that makes sense. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) A little close to home right there for me too. It's like, oh yeah, you know, mm-hmm. eights aren't mm-hmm. emotional people, period. And so, and then the home that I was raised in, you know, we aren't mm-hmm. emotions were not like you, mm-hmm. you bury them and you dealt with life, you know, type of thing. I, mm-hmm. and I, now it's like, why was I ever put in that environment? It was so horrible. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> like I want to feel now, but I don't know how. it's true that's hard figuring out emotions now I'm 22 I'm like emotions Mm -hmm. they kind of stick the icky but like Mm -hmm. oh at the same time this feels good but so yeah they take uh, so much vulnerability for both of us so like that's the new thing like uh I'm so like I become I wouldn't say like I'm expressively emotional now but like I'm always thinking in the realm of emotions. How is this going to make me feel? I've even started to develop like some emotional things. Um, I've, I don't know if you read Brene Brown's book, The Atlas of the Heart. I haven't read that one. Great book. Okay. Probably my favorite book at this point now. So it it really like was, I bought it thinking it was going to be like a step-by-step guide on how to do emotions. And Mm -hmm. it is not that. And so it basically the premise of the book is like we already know how to do emotions because it's built into us. It's just that 90% of the time we lack the vocabulary of emotions. You know, a lot of people you ask them how you're doing, it's like, oh, I'm doing good, I'm happy, or I'm sad, or I'm mad. And like those are like the three main ones, but you never get into like stuff like anguish or like despair. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. oh, wait a minute, like, yeah. I feel these all the time, like, but I've usually just used these three main category of words. So it's like, oh yeah. So like, mm-hmm. it's a very good book. Like mm-hmm. I had, like, wow. I had to force myself to put it down just to do other stuff. Wow. So. I'm so glad you told me that. That's, I mean, man, is that cool? It's like the awesome. feelings wheel, but in a way that is digestible in a book. So it's not just a feelings wheel. It's like, I see the words here, but like Brene Brown has such a way of drawing you out and making you feel safe. So thank you because I know that's what we both need. (laughs) So that's a good, that's a really good recommend. If you don't have time to read right now, that's good too, because she actually did like a mini series on HBO max about this book. And she goes into detail about some of the words. So I encourage you to check that out too. So it's great. Like this book has made me a Brene Brown fan. (laughs) Oh my so, goodness. Oh, I'm so happy yeah. to hear that. So, but, um, so we kind of talked about your journey to finding the Enneagram. Um, you mentioned you're a seven. Um, 
I'm kind of wary to ask people their wings because, um, you know, that's always something that's changing. And that's probably something I, don't, I wouldn't say I hate about the Enneagram, but I find yeah. intriguing because uh, you, you see, especially with the core type, it's like that doesn't change, but like your wing, your subtypes changes. And so it's like, it, it's nice to see like that's kind of contradictory to what we know basis of it but like at the same time it works out so well because like you know mm-hmm. I, I realized just looking back it's like oh yeah I can see growing up I exhibited a lot of eight energy but like at there was majority of my life I was taking on the energy of a nine wing because like peacekeeping you know everybody let's find common ground but like now I'm in a space in life to where I don't really have to worry about peace and so like so like I've really been adventuring a lot like oh. going on hikes and like just being Ooh. having fun it's just like it's, it's a side of me I wish I would have had early on in life I was like this this is just great this oh. is so much joy so oh wow beautiful to hear that where we're kind of like in this moment of life do you find yourself do you find yourself more of a six wing or more of an eight wing I think that I've come back toward the middle, but where I've been, uh, kind of noticing in my, you know, how you can see in your earlier life, here's when I was leaning really far into one or the other. Um, generally it's going to be a six for me, but there was a good space in my life where it was eight in my twenties. And I just really enjoyed pushing through and doing everything I could. And until my early thirties really got me, uh, down on my butt when I had toddlers that were screaming 24 seven, along with clients who were screaming 24 seven, I was like, I need my six wing and I need it now. I need safety, protection, self-care. And I really didn't come out of that until the last year or two. And it's been a slow go. So I'm coming back to balance. Uh, but sometimes I still slip in one direction or the other. So I really like how you said the goal is balance and it's to be as close to the middle as possible. So we can gain the best of all the types, right? Yeah. So that's, that's good. Yeah. I'm learning. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it's life is a learning process in all together, but like, I'm mm-hmm. so like, gosh, my mm-hmm. gratitude towards the Enneagram is like ever increasing. Cause like without this, I don't know. Like, yeah. oh my goodness, how I would learn life lessons. Like it, it seemed like for me, at least before discovering the Enneagram, life lessons were like a kick in the butt, but now it's like um, a gentle push yeah. of learning life lessons. Ooh, so, I like that. Like, yeah. It just makes it so much easier. Like, yeah. So it's right. been, a, it's been a great tool. Oh. Um, Now I'm gonna kind of throw a curveball at you right now because this wasn't in one of the list when the que- was not one of the questions in the list that I sent you, um, but it's kind of a selfish question um, about um, something that was said in the episode you just did with um, Dana and Johnny Lawson. All right, so here's the first commentary for this episode. It's a very quick one, but I just want to mention real quick that that episode is called A Marriage Mystery with Dana and Johnny Lawson, um, and it's from Season 4, Episode 32 of the Enneagram Marriage Podcast, hosted by Krista, and I will put a link to that episode in the show notes so you can have easy access to it, but the thing is, it's going to be an Apple Podcast link, so you might have to do a little bit more searching to find it on um 
any other podcast platform, but um, it's called A Marriage Mystery with Dana and Johnny Lawson. The link is going to be in the show notes, uh, which was a great episode, by the way. Um, but he mentioned something about being productive in your single season. All right, so when I posed this question to Krista, I was actually, one, I was looking for a way to quote unquote make a romantic relationship possible. I want to see if she had any deeper insight on like the practicality of it um, because I was moment of vulnerability here. I, I was honestly in a desperate place of where I wanted to not be single anymore. And so I was like, this is the perfect moment. If somebody has the answer of how like I can snap my fingers and and by magic be romantically involved with a woman, then this is going to be great. And so this question was really a very like kind of manipulative question because I was trying to figure out how I can um, take what she said and what Johnny said in that original episode and use it to my advantage, uh, which in turn did not really work out the way I wanted to, but um, still by asking this question, I was given a lot of great more insight. Um, before we go back to the uh, interview, um, I also want to say that um, what is productivity in this case? Um, I, I, I think productivity in what Johnny is saying, it can be um, what you actually do daily. How are you being productive in your um, everyday life? You know, chores, house stuff, errands, um, relationships. But I think it's more about how are you being productive in your self-development. I think that's the context that is really taking root. And he kind of talks about this in the interview, um, in that interview, uh, Johnny does, is, is, uh, how it can mean both, but it's really more of a productiveness that relates to your inner self. How are you getting to know yourself better? How are you loving yourself better? Um, and I said this a thousand times before, and I'll say it a thousand times again. Self-development, loving yourself is easier said than done a hundred times fold because what does that mean there's never been a concrete um answer of what does it mean to love yourself and so i think this right here is a moment of we can all take and say all right what does it mean for me to be productive what does it mean for me braylon to be productive in my self-development is that is that learning how to know my self-worth? Is that learning to do emotions, to do um, deeper, intimate relationships? What is that self-development? Uh, is a question that you can tag onto this idea of what does it mean to be productive in your single waiting period? So, uh, but anyway, back to the interview. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that, but there, there's a, at least for me, there has been this flaw where I, I've realized that my productiveness has only been towards one area of life and it's been to like the success area of life because I've been mm -hmm. doing things like starting on my own businesses, a podcast, mm -hmm. um, becoming president of my dorm room and doing, being a chairman of a committee. And it's like all success here, productivity. And it's like, 
All right, so I want to take another moment to pause from the interview and, and kind of give um, a more of a reflective commentary here. And so if you've been re- listening to the podcast a lot recently, um, I've kind of touted this idea of me struggling with um, the idea that possibly I may have misidentified my type as an eight and that there's some possibility that I could actually be a core type three. And so I'm just wondering here for myself, um, really, could what I just said about, you know, being Scott Hall president and business stuff and, and just really trying to find success, could that be a case for my misidentification um, that I've missed a long time ago because this episode originally aired um back in february so like could that been like a first sign of misidentification that i missed and if i missed that take a little bit further here if i missed that what are we missing as a group what are you missing um that you may misidentify that you just you know what what is something that you if you look back hard enough, you'll be like, oh, wait, there's a moment that could possibly pinpoint to the fact that I may have misidentified with something. And so, um, as I'm sitting here thinking about this anymore, I, I want to go a little bit deeper here very quickly, though. Let, let's talk about relationships um, because this, this entire podcast is kind of centered on the idea of how we do relationships. But um, this episode specifically was centered on the idea of marriage. So let's talk about relationships very quickly. Um, For those of you who might know, the past couple years, I was really emotionally attached to this one girl. Um, I wrote a lot of blog posts about it. I've talked about it a lot in the podcast, but that's neither here nor there. But what, here's another case for misidentifying connection. What if there was something, a moment, an event, um, a conversation within that relationship that I had with this one girl um, who I thought was the one? Uh, what if there's a moment that either I miss, I, I missed the point, that, that signal, hey, this is not the relationship that is the one, or what if there was a moment where I just, I missed the point of what the relationship was. There's a whole lot of points here. And so to kind of bring this back to my entire motive of life that I have going on recently for the past six years, really. Um, it's probably one of my favorite ones because I love um, the sea and if I could have chosen any life, I probably would have been pirate, just saying. Um, but I, I talk in the journey, journey motif a lot. Um, and so, but we know in journeys, there's a lot of different, like, you, you might have a, you have a starting point and then you have an end destination. But within one single journey, you've got to stop at different ports to restock on food, to um, make more bargains, more deals with other people. So what if on this journey that I've been on or that you've been on or we've been on as a collective, a group of human beings, 
we got off at the wrong point. Maybe we were, just to throw out some fictional ports, uh, maybe we were supposed to dock at the point of Prince Ari, and we, we, you know, before GPS, you know, there's really no GPS to life, but we, we, we um, miscalculated our latitude and longitude, and we got off, we docked at the point, port of September. What well, what if that's possible? Just a little food for thought. But anyway, let's let's get back to talking with Krista. Yeah. Do you think that so this is kind of let me back up a little bit. This question is a little bit three part question. Mm-hmm. So the first part would be, do you think there's like a balance that there should be like a certain percentage spiritual, certain percentage um success, a certain percentage relationships? What what what's your idea on that part of it? Oh, that's a great question. And I'm so grateful that you got to learn from him in your season of being young and doing so much. Um, so that makes me really happy, but I also want to say that I think that the spiritual for me comes in at the end when I've kind of exhausted the first few resources, because I do like to, uh, take time in my faith life every night before bed, but then I usually do my day and I start out in gratitudes with a brief time of spirituality as well. So it's not that it isn't in and through all the other things, but what I really want to say about that is as I'm trying to get that mind, body, heart balance, and this is what I recommend for anyone who's single, um, is try to be like every single day, I do something to enrich my mind. Every single day, I do something to enrich my, um, emotions, which you're clearly doing. And then also your body. And that could be drinking water, as you know, or it could be lifting weights, but something in your body. And, and then when all of those still, sometimes you're still lamenting or you're still frustrated. Um, that's when I would say go to God because your spiritual life comes in right there instead of you going to your vice, which is what really kind of tempts us in that moment. And so whatever your Enneagram vices kind of comes in and says, I'll take care of you. All of this wasn't enough, um, especially in our cases as a seven and eight, because we want more and more and more. Yeah. Um, but for somebody else, it might be pull, pull back, pull in, um, pull away. And for us, it's push in, push in. And so it's really nice right there to actually surrender to God, take deep breaths, and just say, you know what, like this is going to happen in your timing and not mine. So for a single person, that's great because then you don't push the person away that you're trying to pursue or multiple options away if you're single and they're just kind of seeing you in your life flailing. And they're like, man, I'm noticing that that person doesn't know how to rest. They don't know how to just be still. Um, so I hope that helps a little bit. And I know it's a three-part question, but Dude. <laughs> You're cutting me like a knife right now. (laughs) (laughs) I've been a Christian my entire life. Um, Of course, that doesn't mean I haven't like fallen, you know, I've really, that's a whole different podcast story right there about my relationship with Christ. But like, yeah, yeah. The surrendering part. Yeah. is so, so hard, Mm. especially for someone like me. It's like, I've got to have everything in control, everything planned out. And it's like, oh gosh, especially relationships. Like, it's like, I want to surrender, surrender. I I can't talk, surrender that. But it's like, gosh, I could do, like, why not have this option and this option and this option instead of just giving it all up, you know? It's like, 
I can see much more clearly. So it's like, I'm really working on that. It's like, yeah. I've got to surrender. I've got to surrender. It's like, I yeah. know, like, gosh. Yeah. So I've been kind of, it's not a, like I said, it's not easy no, at it all. So no, it's really hard. I commend you for trying to do that because it's beautiful to see. Even I can tell you're sincerely wanting that and you're sincerely admitting sometimes you don't do it, but we both know that when we do, we feel better. Like oh, yeah. now you're clear. Now you're like, I'm, I don't need somebody else to define me. I'm, I'm fine. But it's like that whole, oh my gosh, it's scary to let go of that control. Yeah. And then the rest part you said right there, it's like, gosh, mm. that, <laughs> like I said, cutting me like a knife because I do not do rest well. <laughs> I'm <laughs> always on the go. Um, yeah. yeah. Either whether it's, most of the time it's just doing worship at church because I, I sing at a, uh, I do worship on uh, mm-hmm. at church, which is a, a mega church. And so it's like, honestly, I don't, I don't really take breaks off of serving unless it's like, you know, a break where I'm going home for a long time, per se, like Christmas break. It's like, but other than that, I've been on team for two and a half years now. And like every Sunday, every Wednesday, I, I'm serving. So like rest, I, I don't do. Yes. Uh, and oh. even, even then, like going, going everywhere else. It's mm-hmm. like my friends complain, like I never hang out with them. I'm like, I'm always busy. Yeah. You're like, this is my way of doing life. And you do have a lot of energy as an eight wing seven. It's arguably the most energetic of all the types, even though it does not mean which people miss are misinformed sometimes that that person doesn't ever get exhausted or burn out. They do, but you're just saying you generally will rest a little bit and get back up again. And, um, and you're aware that that's kind of just your only way of doing life. And I, I get that. And sometimes yeah. it does take moments where we fall flat on our faces before we find out and not just one time, but many times. Um, so I'm right there with you, but oh, yeah. at least learning it. And sometimes, like you said, being a Christian, God has been quite gentle overall with teaching me the lessons. Um, so, but they are there for us to oh, learn yeah. when we'll see them and slow down. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> it's just, Ooh, you, you said those things. I'm like, Wow, is she is God sitting right there telling these things about me? Like, how does she know this is me to a T? <laughs> Surrender awesome. and resting are work in progress. Yes, amen. People, you know, in passing, people will be like, How are you doing? I'm like, I'm alive. Yeah, <laughs> that's about all I can say. I'm like, I don't know anything past that, but right, right. Oh my <laughs> anyway, yeah. Going back to the question here a little bit. Um, so is it, do you think it's possible to kind of, uh, after you've kind of taken the introspective look into yourself and you've worked on yourself and you've been to God, do, do you think it's possible to actually kind of gauge or put a timeline on that coming out of waiting and going into that season of actually seeing reality of a dating relationship happening. Hmm. I do because dating takes time and intention. So if you're somebody who's busy or maybe you're a listener who's withdrawing and you like a lot of personal time, however, it looks for you carving out at least six to 10 hours a week 
for quality time with the person you're pursuing is important because it takes specific time to be able to get to know them in those dating years. So it's not worthwhile if you say, you know, I really ideally want to mate, but I'm not willing to give it any time. Um, then I would say you're not there yet and that's okay. But if you've got some time you've got some good balance in your life and you've got some, uh, good plans going where you're like, I have a direction I'm on the path and I intend to get there for, uh, my, my years of professionalism and I'm not just aimless. Then I think that that's an okay time to date because you really are getting your life together and you don't have to wait as long as Johnny on my podcast did 33 years, but you also, um, do want to wait as long as it takes you to get there. Oh, I love that. It's because especially as a Christian, we hear it a lot in the church. I'll oh, just wait until God provides, he's going to bring you somebody. Yeah. And I've always hated that yeah. <laughs> when people say, I'm like, of course, God is going to provide somebody, but it's like, maybe it won't be, you know, may, maybe it's up to me at this point, you know? Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you can take some healthy steps too. And if yeah. God closes a door, that's important to pay attention to. Um, that's really important to pay attention to. Cause I know sevens and eights and threes, we can barrel through. Oh. So sometimes when God does close a door, it doesn't mean that later there can't be redemption. If you kept pushing and you never listened, trust me, anyone who's been married 10 years or more is going to have days like that, where they're like, was I really listening? Um, but then, um, he's really good to us. Like oh, yeah. there's redemption. He has to close the door and then slam it in my face again a couple of times for me to, get the, <laughs> yeah. to see <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Me too, for sure. And so, then, but yeah, he sometimes grows those people in our life that we lament too. And we're like, okay, you know what? They're maturing too. So this is all good. Even though maybe God did tell me no, but I didn't listen. So yeah. we have to give people the grace to change along with us. One thing, and you can say if you agree or disagree with this, but one thing that I've kind of been contemplating lately um, is this idea when you say God closing the door at one person, it's that maybe along the way which i know for sure along the way as you find somebody to date there's going to be people that you've developed feelings for feelings for and it, it won't work out it's happened to me for the past three years at least um constantly it's like mm -hmm. but it, it's this it's this idea of being okay that they were just there for a season because sometimes you you think you know you see somebody I, for me at least there's just one girl that I thought all right she's the one and like it never even went on a first date because it happened right before COVID and like everything there is like oh wow so maybe like I'm coming to terms like maybe she wasn't the one but like honestly it was that girl that kind of being interested in her pursued me towards these new interest and emotions per se and try, try to become more emotionally developed so it's like maybe the purpose wasn't to actually date her but to just you know say all right i'm lacking in this area so again just kind of recognizing kind of what each person you come in contact helps you to see about yourself is a great thing and honestly not having the Ingram, I probably would never seen that lesson in my life. I would have been like, no, for sure. She was the one uh, that no other reason. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so but, yeah, back to the angsting, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, Aww. um, all right. So you guys know, I really 
I just love this conversation I had with Krista. Um, it's probably one of my favorite conversations of all time that I've had. Um, but as we were talking about, you know, the being productive, engaging your spiritual, your emotional, and all that, and and how, gauging the timeline of coming out of singleness to dating, um, she said a lot of good stuff. Um, but I, I want to give some questions that will take that a little bit deeper for you. So I'm posing these questions to you um, um, uh, that you can reflect on. The first one is, what are you doing daily to enrich your mind, body, heart balance? Now, when I say I'm posing these questions to you, I'm kind of throwing myself in that collective view as well because as I'm listening through this episode, doing this commentary again, I realize there's a lot of things that I said I would pay attention to when we talked that I have not paid attention to. And it's been about a year since we originally recorded this episode. So um, I'm feeling a little bit of you know <laughs> secondhand guilt right now. But again, that first question is, what are you doing daily to enrich your mind, body, heart balance? And then there's a second question I want to pose that will allow us to reflect deeper into it. And as that question is, how are you surrendering and resting? I know for me right now, as I record this, um, surrendering has kind of been a forceful thing. I haven't really done it intentionally I haven't really done it uh, voluntarily but it's kind of happened to me um, same thing with resting I've been more intentional about resting ever since we recorded this um, episode ever since we did this interview been more intentional about resting uh, keeping to my Sabbath days my days of rest but um, even then I've I believe God has kind of forced me to this mundane season so I can rest. Um, I don't think it's for a bad reason either. I just think, if I'm being honest, I think this mundane season that I'm leaving, living right now is the um, the last stretch before the catapult, per se. Like it, it's, I believe what I'm experiencing now of how Life is so boring. Life is so go to work, come home, go to church, sleep, repeat um, type of thing. I, I think is the catalyst for that next level in life. And I, I, and I've these past couple of weeks, I've been just kind of feeling that really that oh elevation, blessings beyond compare are coming my way. But at the same time, I've also been feeling that for other people around me too. So I think. If you're with me in this moment and, and you're kind of living a mundane life, take this word and that it's a catalyst for the next elevated season of life. Um, I forget who said it, but uh, I think it was a, I don't know if it was just somebody on TikTok or if it was a pastor, but they said, when God separates you, that's because he's about to elevate you. And so take heed to that word today. Um, but again, those two questions are, what are you doing daily to enrich your mind, body, and heart balance? And how are you surrendering and resting? Let's get back to the interview with Krista and see what she has to say about what the 
in your marriage collective is. Before I dive into a little bit more of the serious questions, um, let, let's kind of talk about the Enneagram and Marriage Collective, which I kind of feel like a little shame because like, oh my God. I, I, I don't know if maybe, I feel like I kind of maybe I could have stolen this idea from you, but like, I don't remember listening to your podcast in a while, but then one day I was like, I'm, I'm gonna start my start a collective about Enneagram and emotions. But then like the next day or so, I was listening to your podcast, like, I heard you talk about the Enneagram Marriage Collective. I'm like, did I just steal her idea? <laughs> like, hopefully not. No, it's totally fine because you know what? So. It's all a collective. Like we're all social. So it's just a word, but I love that you asked about it. And I love that you're thinking about uh, this on a bigger level with emotions. That's really important. Oh. Um, so yeah, but uh, we're really excited to have uh couples or individuals come together to learn about relationships and a little bit of a fo more focused togetherness quality, because on a podcast, it's me speaking to the world without any kind of feedback. Yeah. Uh, of course I get it from clients and my family, but it's really nice already. We've had just one meeting together to hear what are the needs out there and you can do quizzes and surveys, but when you really spend time together, it's a monthly meeting where we spend two hours together on a topic. And then there's question and answer and time to really just be together, breathe together. Uh, you know, there may be some lament as we go on and people feel safe, uh, definitely training. And then we have an intent for the month where we focus in on a tool or two, and then we can come back the next month and do it all over again. And then we also have a little space inside of my website so that people can get some videos on how to grow in their relationship together with some PDFs there. And then they also get a special extra podcast each week to give them extra encouragement. So it's just different ways to give them a deeper dive into training. Yeah. And if I remember right, the founders, they just closed today. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. It was so. 19 a month and now it's 29 a month. Um, so I'm really grateful to have some people in that founders space just to give us a sense of, uh, like, let's see what the need is. Let's oh, yeah you know, do that. And then we're going to stay open for another couple of weeks for those who are still catching on. And then I don't know if you'll do this for your collective, but for me, it's nice to grow with some closed doors. People like the scarcity. They need to know that offers aren't eternal sometimes, oh, yeah. um, but you don't do it because you don't want people to learn. You do it so you can focus and really connect. And then I'm hoping what will happen is we'll open again in the fall. Yeah. For, for me, like I said, mine is still in development. I just okay. thought about it. Um, so I'm still working out the kinks and things and how it will work. But like, for me, I know at least for this first collective group, I, I wanted to limit to 25 people. So okay. what, do you have a limit of people that you are, or what does that look like for your collective? No, I didn't, but I got, I think it was about 27 couples and they can sign up together. Oh. So it's all under the one. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking about that this morning that um, there's a part of me that's afraid to move on too much bigger because I feel like you need to start with a certain amount that makes you feel um, especially as a thinking type safe so that you can actually grow community. Um, yeah. it's not that you can't do that with a big one, as you know, going to a mega church, but it's, it's a starting small because that's the capacity I have. 
And I don't want to grow too big before I'm ready to meet that. I just trained up all these coaches to work with me. So in fact, we had so many coaches in addition to those 27 people that I thought, okay, good. <laughs> There's plenty of us to help if need yeah. be, because what if each one of them needed a ton of help? Um, so I knew I had good staff and, and by staff, I don't mean that you would in your collective necessarily have to have people working for you, but just people that, uh, you know, are going to be helpers because when you open up the doors to supporting others, you need to be able to manage it well, really well. Um, and so now I finally feel like that. Um, and I probably would have just hired more people if it would have gotten to crazy numbers, I would have said, okay, well, I actually need to hire more than just these few, but it turned out that we have a really nice balance where there's plenty of people to help out. If that makes sense. Yeah. Which I, I like the attention to keeping it small because, you know, even if you do hire more people to do like even if it got bigger and you hired more people and there was like breakout sessions and everything like that, yeah, yeah. It, honestly, that, that goes more towards the realm of like a webinar setting than it is like yeah. our discussion. So it's like yeah. the bigger, it's, it's just kind of hard. It, it's possible, but like you said, it's hard to have an actual discussion with a bigger group. And so keeping stuff like this small, it's like, I'm all for big, but when it comes to like diving deep into emotions and like marriages and fixing our ourselves it's like let's keep it small you know let's keep it not too small not too big but as Goldilocks said just right yeah oh my gosh that's awesome I love that yes that's a great reminder and um you are leaning on your seven because you're like let's find the best about each um and that's what I think is wise is like whatever God gives you you do your best with it So if he gives you something where you end up having this huge, large group, you'll be like, okay, we're going to do some breakouts. And I'm already thinking that way too. But what's nice is I can just barely manage, uh, to kind of try to love on everybody, even without a breakout, if I want to right now. So like you said, there's good to both, but it is going to always be, um, a journey and we're always going to be learning and nothing's ever perfect. Keep on saying these words that some of my favorite words. (laughs) Oh God! <laughs> journey intention like <laughs> two words that I love the most like I refer to everything as a journey I'm on a emotional journey you know I'm on a restoration journey like if it's fixing me I'm gonna say journey it's like it's it's not fixing it's a journey because <laughs> so, you know on journeys you have challenges I always think of when I say that word I think of like a um would it be like a 90s video game where like you know they you have one main quest but like in between you have these smaller quests and everything I'm like that is life yes <laughs> that is 100. life to a T so. oh yeah I loved my 90s videos game video games so I'm with you that's a great <laughs> analogy for me as a seven so I, I, so this, all this stuff is just coming out of me like right now so um, but I am so grateful for everyone's support. Without you guys, this podcast would not be possible. But if you're not already subscribed to Enneagram Restored Podcast, don't forget to follow and subscribe Enneagram Restored Podcast to be notified of each new episode that is released. Um, now, now let, let's deeper questions here. Um, mm-hmm. What what do you what comes to mind when you hear the word restoration? how would you kind of like define that to somebody? Hmm. I would say more wholeness. 
it just really reminds me of broken pieces being put back together in a way that reveals that there's been some damage somewhere, but that there's also been growth and maybe even, of course, being an idealist, I would say maybe even growth that is greater than they ever had before they had ever been broken. Um, because when we're broken, we know how to help others who have been broken. So I like that about restoration, that not only do we get to heal the broken pieces of ourselves, but we get to be an example of others to others who need that as well. I love that. Uh, I, I, I think of restoration and reconnection like on a spectrum. Um, so and it, it goes back to another analogy. I, I think a lot in analogies for some strange reason. <laughs> But when you think of like um, Fixer Up or, or um, Restoration Road with Clint Harp, I don't know if you've heard that show, but like um, all these house shows are fixing things up. You have dilapidated houses that have been just sitting there for ages and they're restored, but not all of it is fully restored to something new. There are like, there might be like a fireplace that, you know, doesn't look the greatest, but they reconnect it to its original intent of use. Like the original owner intended it to be like this beautiful fireplace you can gather by. But then as time went on, you know, fireplaces became unfamous to use for gathering, just more of like a pretty little thing you have in your house. And so when you restore this dilapidated house, you have this entire restoration, but then you have this one piece that doesn't really need restoring. It just needs to be reconnected to its original use. Oh, so, oh, that's a great analogy. So, um, I love yeah, that. I'm always aside from podcasting too. I'm interior designer. I just started my own firm a couple of months ago, so it's like everything I do is in the realm of enneagram emotions and houses right now. So oh, I'm always fun. thinking. Um, so, wow, um, that's a but, cool field. Um, and to think of it, it's like. How, how how am I doing all this stuff because I'm at school majoring in church leadership so like none of this really connects but like I'm doing yeah. it and having fun so um yes it will connect throughout different moments oh, yeah. of your life too so that's that's just a little tangent um but, but um glow guys um I've kind of I mean honestly I like the idea of them so but uh listen to your podcast I don't know if I've fully grasped what they are so could you just like briefly explain that a little bit what glow guys are sure so I created booklets or and they're just pdfs that you can download from my website on each of the 45 pairings and my friend who's an artist she drew pictures to go with each one to illustrate for the visual types among us and it was a fun process to really walk through together as two thinking types to really dissect what each pairing was like. And of course, with a lot of great surveys and client experiences, I got to see a lot of the pairings in multiple different dimensions. So as much as we can't nuance exactly like what each of us is like, because we're not fully cookie cutters, but we're all creatives. Uh, it does give some very specific advice for people of each pairing, 
with their partners. So if you're an Enneagram one and you are uh, dating a three, or if you're a six dating a nine, whatever the combo, we have a booklet for that to help you to process the issues that you're likely to do well in and the ways you're likely to glow or shine out in the world, as well as when the shadows come in, what it's likely to look like when you're a little bit stressed, burnt out. And then we also have date night tips and tips for you when you're serving in the world together too. And, and just that way you have a roadmap as well as some questions at the end to ask each other, like, how are we vibing together? So it's a nice I want to say beginner's tool, but to be quite honest, it's something that even though my husband and I know the material in it now, I think that what would be a shame is if we just read it informationally, but we didn't yeah. take time with the Q and A, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so you kind of answered my next question. So I, I'm going to think of a new question real quick. Yeah. Um, so huh. good time. It's good to know it, it helps shows issues that might come up between two pairings. Um, and then also the good areas, but like, do they kind of show examples of like when two people are kind of like in a neutral space of life? You know, the relationship isn't going bad, but it also isn't like the greatest it could be, just like in that gray area. Does that glow guys to that too? Yes. I think that we try to tackle that when we talk about how it can get just a little bit bad because for some couples, they really will never be just like meh. They'll be like, we are passionate until we're done, even if it's for better or for worse. Um, yeah. Whereas others really will be, like you said, maybe boring doldrums. And so we try to really uh, focus in on what will happen for each iteration of the pairs. Um, for instance, you know, um, an eight and a three, there's a lot of fire there because they're two aggressive, assertive types. So there isn't going to be as much stagnancy as say two withdrawing types, nine and five, who are much more likely to retreat into quiet corners. Yeah. So I think we tried to address that, but I also like your question because it's inferencing seasons of relationships and how, as a general rule, all relationships do have seasons of doldrums and need to spark up and bring adventures into their lives together. It's yeah. a good question. You know, it seems like it was just yesterday when I was planning on announcing that I was starting a podcast all about the Enneagram, but it's been two years already. I mean, come on, man. It is just so unreal how much time flies. But I just want to take a moment out to say thank you for being an avid listener of any Grammar Store podcast. And although we're already in season three, this podcast is just getting started. So grab a cup of coffee and your journal and let's go on a journey of restoration together. So, um, and then we've kind of touched base on this a little bit, but um, is there any advice that you would give to the different seasons of relationships dating engaged married or single um if you wanted to just tackle a few or maybe even all of those areas i'm handing yeah. it off to you sure okay well the single years i think we were really uh i i think we were really right on when we said make sure that you are doing your single life with intention 
and direction so that you have a space where you're moving towards and not just being aimless. Like, Hey, I'm living, I'm just enjoying life to the full. Like that is a nice thing to do when it's break time to say, look, I've got three hours to kill, or I've got a vacation to plan, or it's time for a weekend getaway. Like that's a great space and time to really just be chill. But I think that each day is a gift. So if you can get those three areas, physical, emotional, and, um, physical, emotional, and then mental rest each day. That's good. And for different people, rest looks different. Uh, it could literally mean for an eight doing something, whereas for a five, it may mean retreating. Um, so that can be helpful for you as you're learning, what does rest really look like for me? Let me really, really reflect on that. And then also spiritually, I would really say, surrendering to God. And I would carry that forward into all the next seasons. It's just a foundational season in the single years. Um, and then in dating, I would say, add in that you are specifically asking questions that will help you to know if this is a person who can, um, really blend well with you in life. If they're going in such a different direction that you talked about, you know, or thought about in your single years, then it's really important that you, really discuss that. Like, what would that look like for us if we're going in such different directions? And that way you can determine whether it's best to continue walking together. Or if, like you said, it's just a season where you were teaching each other something, or maybe just a friendship. So, um, but also I would add to that. I hope that there's some chemistry and some laughter and, um, some natural love too in the dating years. I hate for it to be for any of our listeners, just kind of really, really tough and difficult from that point. I think that it's nice to be able to say, these are supposed to be the honeymoon years. So let's try to make sure that we, we do have some joy because marriage is supposed to be a place where we do have some fun times together. Um, and then as we move to engagement, I think it's okay there to then say, all right, let's dig in. We are engaged. We love each other. We love spending time together in general, but we know things have come up here and there. And let's talk about how we can really dig in and learn about conflict styles. Let's do our, as you said, our Enneagram work. And then lastly, I think that just continues on in marriage where you say like, now we have hopefully a bit of an afterglow where we've come together. We know how we shine and we can now continue to walk through these stages together. Um, and I have them all in stages inside of my membership where people can really like continue to walk through the stages. But basically it goes from that basic of let's build up, let's get our six to 10 hours a week together every single week. And let's carry that out where we have fun every week, rest every week, self-care goals. And now we, we have that afterglow where we're serving in the world, but also replenishing. Um, so you just never get too bored if you're doing that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. I love it. Uh, it again, one of my favorite words it all comes back to is intention. You know, mm. you just can't let things happen ha by happenstance. You know, um, if you really wanted something to be fruitful, um, you got to have intention. And it, it's kind of, I, I swear, God is working in every, this entire episode because last night a preacher preached on a, how about um, how God prunes people to make them more fruitful. And then like, here we are talking about, you know, intention and being more fruitful. And it's just like, okay, maybe this podcast is more about me than it is for the, you know, just publishing it. <laughs> but, True. <Sometimes laughs> like that when I do things too, you're right. It may be just like God really speaking into you specifically. I love that. 
So. All right, so I'm sitting here listening to this episode so I can do this commentary, and, and I'm really realizing there's some things that one Krista said that you know it's like wow I have not taken heed to that at all, but there's also some things that I said I was like I said that but I don't do it, and it's like a year later, um, heart check, um, but anyway I just want to take a moment to kind of comment about what we talked about here about the seasons of relationships single dating engaged married and kind of go a little bit deeper about what krista said and so although i cannot comment as a participant for every stage because i'm 23 years old and i've been single for 23 years um that's the only one i can uh, participate in and so but i am going to comment on the other stages as an observer and just kind of go deeper about kind of some of the things that krista said and her answers here um, so, first, I wanted to talk about, of course, the stage that I can say as a participant, and that's the single stage. Um, so, Krista pointed this out, and this has kind of been an overarching theme of the entire episode, and it's one of my, I said it multiple times, it's one of my favorite words, intention. How are you being intentional about your self-development? How are you being intentional about knowing yourself, knowing other people, um, just in platonic manners, um, n- not really focusing on the romantic aspect of it, but how are you being intention- intentional in your uh, fam- family relationships, your um, friendships, uh, your coworker relationships? How, what, what are you being intentional about? How are you getting to know people? How are you doing life together with other people um, intentionally? Um, but Krista mentioned something about rest and I, I want to pose this question to you all and again when I whenever I pose a question I say pose it to you guys who are listening but it's really also I'm, I'm including myself in that collective view um, and so the question is do you know what your rest looks like how are you getting bountiful rest and do you know what that takes for you um it could be i know one of the things that helps me rest the most is going on walks in the park um there's one park in springfield called sequiota sequiota park and it's my favorite park to walk in because it's um so expansive the the trail is so long and oftentimes i forget how long it is and i like i shouldn't have gone this far but it it's one of the best ways that I can replenish myself and rest uh, without actually just being asleep 24-7. But also rest for me kind of looks like just watching a movie or um, playing an instrument for a couple hours. You know, I play guitar, I play clarinet, uh, I was percussionist. uh, So what, there's different ways rest means for me, but the hardest thing is kind of going hand in hand with rest and serving in church. Is rest has all singing has always been a part of how I rest as well. It goes hand in how me sitting down playing guitar for a little bit kind of just replenishes me. But as being a primary vocalist um, in instrumentation, I've always been involved in choir in high school a lot. And then also, you know, worship team since I've been here at James River. And it's kind of hard to find rest when um, you're doing 
your activity to rest all the time. But there's still also that little bit of moment that um, kind of gives you rest as well. And replenish you as you're doing it. Um, and I say that because even though um, I do worship every Sunday and Wednesday and then there's rehearsals every Tuesday and that is even compounded for event seasons and everything. I, I, I there, there is a replenishment that comes. I don't, I don't know where it comes from. It seems like it shouldn't come in this moment, but while I'm up there for a worship set, it's typically um, toward the end of the set, toward the end of the second song, uh, where I, I just get this, you know, relaxed feeling. It's like, oh, here's the rest. There's the replenishment. So it's kind of weird how it works, but that that's kind of what it looks like for me. But do you know what it looks like for you? What what does it mean? What does rest look like for you? All right. And so now as an observer, I, I want to kind of comment on um, the um, dating aspect. Um, and so Krista mentioned um, the aspect of blending with your significant other in this stage. And I, I, I want to go, I want to take that a little bit deeper and to say, are you asking questions for blend that are specifically for yourself, but then are you asking questions to know how you blend to your other person? And I say this, again, going back to the musical aspect uh, and going back to the vocal music aspect of it, um, Vocally, when we sing as a worship team, or if you're singing in a choir, you're going to, or even just as a like a band, your your voice is going to blend so much better with certain different types of people because um, just the way humankind is made, our voices are unique and different. So we've got to ask, we got to ask the questions: How how do we blend with each other? And then also at the same time, how can I manipulate? Me as a singer, how can I manipulate my voice to um, blend with other people on stage? I do that a lot. Um, so I'm a baritone bass by nature. That's uh, what I sung in choir my entire life. Um, but worship songs are a lot higher than my vocal range. And so a lot of times for me to blend with the other people who get that higher range naturally, I'm using what's called a falsetto voice, so I, which is like at the very top of my head. It's like I'm raising my eyebrows and I'm, that that that's a type of falsetto voice, not the perfect one, but it, a lot of times that's that's what I'm using to get that blend because I know. Question here is, all right, they're a higher tone range, but me naturally I'm, I'm i'm in the lower registers so it's like how i'm asking myself how can i blend but at the same time i'm saying okay if i go to them and say how can i ask them questions of what they're doing to help me blend better with them um I'm trying to think of an example um i can't think of one right the dome but um it's just that idea. Are you asking questions to help understand how you blend better as a couple? Um, 
And then commenting as an observer to the engaged and married couples, I, I just want to say, Krista mentioned that the single stuff is the foundation. And she kind of talked about this too, and she went deeper, but I just want to echo what she said really on this one is that you've got to carry that foundation from single to dating up to married, but then you also got to build on some new things. It's like building a house. All right, here, here we go to my next, my other, my, uh, 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 gosh, I am, <laughs> my other side, my other realm, step away from the musical realm of me going to the interior design realm. When building a house, when building a room, there are foundational principles that I had to start with. Um, for me, I believe color is one of those top foundational principles is that design-wise, we've got to say, all right, to really make the decor and the feel of the room come together, we've got to establish a color scheme that's going to work and fit the goals of this room. So that's, that, that's the first place that, I, I don't know, I know some designers start out with, but that's the first place I, as a designer, start out with. Um, somebody says, how can I make this better? It's always, my first answer is, well, one, you need to develop a comprehensive color scheme for this room, this area. Get that foundation, but then build on it. And what I mean by that, then I always say, the next way to make something feel homey is lighting. So color and light, you know, are like my two, where I focus a lot of attention when I'm designing it into, uh, but then you've got the other finishes, the the um, bronze, brass cabinet pools, or like you know, wood stains for the floors, or dining chairs, all this different stuff that comes in. But for me, if that color scheme is not comprehensive and does not flow well with each, just together as a color scheme. You can add all the different elements to all the different furniture you want, but if you don't have a comprehensive color scheme, everything else is just going to look out of place because it's got to match the color. The color for me is the foundation of a room. So when I say that, I say all that to say, build a foundation from single to dating, but then add on in those engaged and married years of where you go to. All right. So... We're almost at the end of this episode, so let's jump right back in to see what last comments Krista has before we close this episode. Well, <laughs> is there anything that we have not talked about that you would like to talk about um, right now? Well, I just love that you encouraged the listeners to, uh, you know, through our chats, we're both saying really going to God and living a life of balance is a beautiful space. So I just want everybody listening to know that that's not going to disappoint them. That's going to bless them and be a fruitful space. It doesn't mean life will be perfect, but it gives you some groundedness through the crazy times. It really does. So I'm just thankful that you're listening and that anyone else listening can, um, to glean that because I wish somebody would have taught me that when I was at your age and now I'm in my forties, I'm like, Oh, I'm learning this, but it would have been really cool to know that at, at that season. I wish somebody would have told me to way before the end. <laughs> like, you think that would have been helpful information, you know, somebody, somebody one day has got to write a book just saying, all right, here's how you do life. You know, <laughs> whoever makes that book will make a whole lot of money. I promise. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Balance but. for kids. We have to like, make sure we get all the way down to the kid years. Right. Cause that's where we all kind of go wrong. So I try oh, to yes. teach that to my babies. I'm sure you're trying to teach that to the little ones, you know, but if any of you like listening, teach Sunday school or, you know, keep pouring this into the kids too, cause they're paying attention. Oh yeah. They kids probably pay more attention than anybody else in this world. You know? <laughs> I know. All right. So last comment before I close this episode out, um, and I just wanted to say what Krista dropped so many good gold nuggets throughout this episode, and I just want to say what like my top one was. Um, it's, honestly, it's hard to pick a favorite because there's just she a well of wisdom, honestly. Um, so, but I, I think if I had to choose, my favorite one would be what she mentioned about the. Uh, practice of mind, body, heart balance, um, and finding how to do that. Uh, what does that look like? Um, balancing out your mind, body, and heart, and getting those into a um, balance. Because um, um, I, I, she said this too, but I, I believe that if you balance those three things, that that's where um, a wholeness of living comes from. Uh, and it doesn't like life doesn't feel separate when those three things are balanced but yeah that that's again it's so hard to pick um, a favorite goat nugget when you're digging out of a minefield of gold nuggets because she just gets so many good ones so um yeah that, that'll be the favorite one though they're so precious so but uh well, that's all that I have. Um, tell us where we can find you on Instagram and Facebook, um, your socials and your website, um, so people can know what, how to get in contact with you and see more about what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Well, we can really uh, always enjoy having you come to Enneagram and marriage.com, the website. I have a lot of freebies there and a lot of blogs so that you can really find that glow together. Or if you're an individual, just find some self-care there. And then I also have podcasts that you can find on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen by the name Enneagram and Marriage. And it's the same title on Instagram. Um, and then last but not least, I was going to also say, we have a Facebook group that's just regular and free too, where my executive assistant, Coach Jen, uh, is in several times a week. And she's like, Hey, here's our new podcast. If we're running a contest, she tells you about it. She'll tell you about our membership group. So those are lots of different pockets that anybody can visit anytime. I love it. Well, again, thank you for talking with me today. It's been a pleasure. Um, and definitely I, I'm going to have to come up with something else to talk to you about, because I'm going to get another one on schedule soon. So, you know, I had a fun time. Too. Thank awesome. you, Braylon. You're awesome. I love to hear all you're doing in the world. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so um, thank you guys for listening um, and thank you for being here. Um, and just like that, part one of the season three finale has come to an end. Um, again, thank you all for listening to um, this episode of Any Grammar Store podcast. Um, don't miss next week because it's going to be like final final episode of season three um it's going to be similar but it's going to be a commentary on um the episode entitled what's here now with gene stevens um so it's going to be just as great as this one was but um just a few reminders i am going to um link that episode 
um, with Dana and Johnny Lawson that I mentioned earlier um, in the show notes, so you can find that there um, on Apple Podcast. Um, but I also want to, I didn't stop in, in the middle of so, but I also want to take a moment to kind of talk about the Enneagram and Emotions Collective. Talked about this when we were talking about Chris's collective, Enneagram and Marriage Collective. Um, the Enneagram and Emotions Collective was something I was slated to start um, earlier this year, um, but because uh, I, I just didn't feel the timing was right, um, and I didn't feel like I really had a guarantee of it working because I didn't really see that much interest beforehand, uh, I decided to put that on pause. Uh, don't know when I'm going to bring that back, uh, but it is still on the development slate. Uh, hopefully soon. Right now, I, what I can say about it, say about it is this: um, as this podcast comes to an end, I'm working on developing uh, my Stage University course. Um, if you don't know about that, it's a course that's going to teach the fundamentals on stage presence and uh, and so that's going to be my main focus once this final episode comes out next week um, and so that's going to take a lot of precedent in my life um, but I imagine that I, once that is finished I, I am going to go back because when I dropped the collective when I put the collective on hold and all that um, I, I not only put the collective on hold, but I put the entire like emotions realm that I was pursuing on hold for this next project. And so when, once I finished developing this course, I'm gonna go back and really develop more about the emotions side and how it combines with the Enneagram and stuff. And so, cause you know, I, I was making journals, self-guided journals for emotions and all that, but I just felt like now is a good time to put that stuff on hold so I can develop this course and then once this like I said when this once this course is developed I'm gonna go back to the emotion stuff uh, journal the guided journals uh, the E&E collective uh, and a lot of other stuff that I have in mind um, maybe a conference of emotions who knows uh, it, it is idea in my mind but anyway um, once once I've gotten past this season of developing this course, uh, which is going to take a lot of time, just one, because it's a course, and two, because it's a video course, so like 99% of the course is going to be me filming videos and uh, editing those and putting them together and all that. So it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of precedent. And with that being said, I also, because of this course, and because of the sabbatical that I've taken this season, which also put the course behind development, because originally this podcast was supposed to, this season was supposed to end in mid-May, as usual, but because I took a sabbatical, here we are at the end of July, ending, ending this season, and so it just kind of pushed everything back. And so with that being said, um, season four is happening, but it may not happen within the usual 
time that I uh, air a new season, which is typically January of the next year. And so it'll probably be, honestly, I'm thinking right about now, it's probably going to be late spring, early summer when season four premieres. So just keep that in mind. Um, but uh, season four is happening. Uh, and the goal for season four is to have a lot more conversations and less information. So have a lot more episodes like this where I did with Krista and talking with interviews um, with people and had conversations. So that, and that's another reason why it's probably going to be delayed. It's just because trying to set up those interviews and recording those and all that. So, But that's all the side notes I have. Um, and let me just go ahead and finish closing out this episode. Um, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcast um, because it helps the discoverability of this podcast. But also, don't forget to follow and subscribe to any grammar store podcast on Instagram, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Um, at any grammar store podcast, pretty much across all platforms. Um, and yeah, let me tell, and let me just say something about reviews. I, I say this a lot. I say it pretty much every outro of every episode. I don't care what the review is. If it's a five star review, leave it. If it's a one star review, leave it. Um, because that, that's how I know where to grow. I know what I can be doing different or what I can increase of what you like to hear. Um, I'm not the type of person who likes to throw the baby out with the bath water. Um, so yeah. But I do ask that you don't just leave a star review, but that you leave a detailed written review as well because you, know, you can leave a one-star review. I'm like, I don't know what to improve on because you just left a star review. So if you're going to leave a review of any type, at least put some writing to it as well. Um, so uh, there's a lot. I've talked a lot, even though I try not to talk a lot because this is, you know, I'm going to give Chris to the spotlight again. Um, but um, as always, I want, this is the, second to last episode of the third season and so if you know this final line i want to invite you to say along with me um aloud or in your heart or in your mind or however you feel like you want to say it along but if you know it by heart um i close it out every single episode with this exact line and if you know it, say it with me i want you to remember that the enneagram doesn't define you but it does bring restoration it helps reshape your thinking and habits.